We've been in this series called No Limits, and literally what we're talking about here is how there are no limits to what God can do, and there are no limits to who God can reach. And so we're talking about what it means to invite people to the Easter story, to the story of Jesus and and of his resurrection. I know that some of you may be thinking, well, man, I don't know about this one guy at my office, or I don't know about this one family member. They seem so far gone, or they seem so uninterested, but boy, our God is able. I want you to know today that there's no one too far gone, even as bad and as dark as it may seem. You need to be filled with faith and anticipation because this could be the most miraculous and supernatural Easter ever as you take now what God has done in your life and you start to see others experience that same transformation. Now when we talk about this, really, we're talking about something that should be so natural for a follower of Jesus uh, to talk about how God's working in your life, but I also know it's not always so natural. I was in a store one day, and and as I was walking through the store, I saw this guy over there, and I thought, man, I'm going to invite him to church. I don't know if he has a church home. And and so it started off just casual conversation, not being weird or anything crazy, just small talk about whatever was on aisle four, whatever it was. And and he was nice enough and talkative enough, and we were having a great conversation and just interacting. I said, hey, do you have a church that you attend? And when I said that, his whole countenance changed. And he kind of like pauses and looks at me for a minute. So I thought, no, the brother doesn't. He's trying to think of an answer right now. I know what's going on. And so he said, uh, yeah, 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 I have a church. And I said, oh, that's awesome. What church do you go to? And when I said that, like he got upset. He got offended. He said, well, well, that's personal. I said, is, is personal? He said, yeah, he goes, that's, that's my own business. I'm not going around talking about that. And he got mad and walked off, and I thought, dude, you are lying through your teeth. You don't go to church, and you know you don't go to church. I could tell in that moment where he was thinking, like, I go to first, second, and third Baptist Assemblies of God, Church of Holiness, witnessing of Jehovah. And you could tell he didn't know what to say. And so instead of saying anything, he just he was upset, and he was offended, and he walked off, and I thought, that's so unnatural. There's no way. It shouldn't be like that for someone who's truly experienced the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And and think about all the stuff that we share. We live in a culture. We share everything. You tell everybody. You like the dinner, you tell people about it. You like the movie, you tell your friends about it. Just look at Instagram. We share crazy stuff. This is what I'm doing right now, like anybody cares. This is what I'm wearing today. Uh, This is the mood that I'm in. This is what I had for lunch. People don't even care. But you're posting. Have you ever noticed when we're at a game or something together, watching the same? game. There's some awesome play, some crazy alley-oop. And what do we do? We turn to each other and what do we do? We say, did you see that? As if they didn't see the same play that we just saw. But what we're really communicating is let's share this moment. We love to share. How many of you would agree that it's only natural when we're talking about the best thing, the biggest thing, the greatest thing that's ever happened in your life? Sins forgiven, chains that have fallen off, marriages that have been restored, bodies that have been healed. How many of you guys think that's a story worth sharing? Can you say amen to that? But what I know, too, is a lot of times when the preacher starts preaching on tell your friends about Jesus, invite people to Easter, we start feeling guilty. We start feeling like, oh, man, here it is. And we start thinking about all the times that we missed it. 
All the opportunities we didn't take advantage of. Can I just put you at ease today? That this message is not to condemn you or to make you feel guilty, but it's meant to equip you and to inspire you so that when you leave today, you will not only be reminded of why our hearts are still beating right now. Because as a follower of Jesus, I can't wait for heaven. I'm looking forward to heaven. Some days on this earth look less like heaven than others. You know what I'm saying? There are days that I'm going through life, I'm like, I can't wait for heaven, but I'm still here right now. My heart's still beating. Why? Because he wants me to reach one more person with his light while there's still time. Now, Pastor Herbert uh, started off his message on Zacchaeus last week, and he, he, he referenced the song, This Little Light of Mine. And let me say, for those of you who weren't here you need to go online and watch it. It'd be worth your time just to watch your pastor singing this little light of mine. I'm telling you, it'll bless you. You need to do that just to prepare your life for Easter Sunday, all right? So go and do that. But he, he referenced that verse. Today, I want to not simply reference it. I want to teach down through it. I want to pick up. So this is somewhat of a part two as we talk about letting our light shine. So let's turn our attention towards Matthew chapter 5, verses 14, 15, and 16. If you're ready, say, uh-huh. If you're ready, say, uh-huh. I'm going to keep asking so everybody's ready. If you're ready, say, uh-huh. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 says, you are the light of the world. Tell your neighbor right now, you're the light of the world. Go ahead and tell them that. You are the light of the world. Now, when we say you're the light of the world, what we really understand is that Jesus is the light, Right? Jesus is the light. We are carriers of his light. We are reflectors of his light. So when people see my life, they should see Jesus in me. So in that sense, he's saying to us, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. That's plain. That's simple. That's easy enough to understand. A town, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Why? It's positioned in such a way to where everybody can see it. It says in verse 15, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. What do they do? They position it. They posture it. They place it somewhere so they can do what? It says, and it gives light to everyone. Somebody say everyone. It gives light to everyone in the house. Can I just tell you, wherever you are in life, you are not there by chance, but you are there by God's choice. Doesn't matter what neighborhood you live in, what apartment complex, where you work, where you go to school, God has placed you there, and he has not put you there to keep you uh, concealed or to keep you anonymous, so to speak, but God has placed you on your hill. He has placed you where you are while you're there to represent his light and his life to the people around you. You are a light in a prominent place, in an important place. And it says in verse 16, in the same way now as all of these other examples or analogies, let your light shine before others. Why? That they may see your good deeds. Can we pause right there because that's counterintuitive for those of us who've been reading our Bible a little while. We think, well, the Bible teaches us that we're not supposed to do stuff to get credit for it. So what this is saying, it's not saying, hey, whenever you open the door, just say, hey, not a problem, just doing this in Jesus' name. Come on, right on through. Glad to do that. It doesn't mean every time you do a good deed, you pick up a piece of paper. Oh, a little something on the floor right here, not a problem. Let me pick this up. That's, that's Scotty Gibbons picking that up, S-C-O-T-T-Y-G-I-B-B-O-N-S. It's not meaning that we're supposed to do that, but yet when you get to this passage, it says, here's what I want you to do. I've put you somewhere where people can see you. Now I want you to do good stuff. 
and let everybody see it. Like That's a little bit different, Lord, from what I'm, I, I'm programmed to think. So what are you meaning? He says that they may see your good deeds and, look at this last part, glorify your Father in heaven. What's the motive? The motive is not let me go out and do good stuff so everybody thinks that I'm good. The, the point is let me be the light of Jesus. Let me show the light of Jesus. And as I'm doing that, showing the kindness of God, the greatness of God, the goodness of God, the love of God. As I'm doing this and people are seeing it, let it show not how great I am but how awesome he is. Let your light shine before others. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let me just take a moment to say that there's a right way and a wrong way to shine lights. Anybody recognize this right here? Got us a flashlight right here. This is handy. This is helpful. And uh, if I were to say to you, what's the most important item in your home, you probably not would not start with, well, it's got to be, hands down, my flashlight. You probably wouldn't start with that. Some of you may start with your children. Others of you maybe not. You might start with and say, well, I've got this car or I, I have this jewelry or something like that. But how many of you know if the lights go out, if the power goes out, all of a sudden you're not worried about, did I get those folded, did I get those clothes folded over there, did I get that put up, everybody's going, where's the flashlight, all of a sudden MVP, MVP right here, you just want a flashlight, because this is important, when there's darkness, the light is very, very important, can you say amen, and so you get this. You ever on the side of the road changing a flat tire and it's late at night? You'll be glad you have one of these. These are important. It illuminates. It makes clear where to go, where I can go, where I shouldn't go, what's over there, what's not over there. This helps me to see. Anybody ever been in a dark place before and somebody else had the flashlight? And then when you ask them something, they turn around and they look at you like this. They're like, huh? And they point it straight at your eyes. You ever had that happen before? As if they can't talk to you unless the light is right in your eyes. First service, I was doing that, forgot to close my eyes and burn my retina up. I mean, it was messed up for like the rest of the service, just blinking my eyes. But anyway, it's, it can be helpful, but how many guys know the way you use this, it can be hurtful? See, that's what we're talking about. Let your light shine. There's a method and there's a motive that must be in check when you let your light shine. Let me give you an example of what I mean. When I was youth pastor, I had this kid in my group. He gave his life to Jesus. Powerful transformation. Great story of conversion. He went to school and started telling all of his friends about Jesus. One day he came back to me. He said, Pastor Scotty, uh, things aren't going so well. I said, what are you talking about? I said, well, I tried to tell my friends about Jesus. They started laughing at me. They started making fun of me. I said, bro, that's cool. Don't you worry about that. They're hurting. Don't, don't you let that discourage you. You need to keep showing the love of Jesus. He said, well, it's not just that. It got worse. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, it kind of went downhill from there, and the principal's involved now. I'm like, what are you talking about, the principal's involved? He said, it's worse than that. I said, what do you mean it's worse than that? He said, the police are involved now. I said, bro, what in the world are you talking about? He said, well, I was trying to tell them about Jesus, and they wouldn't listen. So I went out in the parking lot, and I took my key and wrote in the side of this guy's car, Jesus loves you. I said, bro, I... But like God may be calling you to a prison ministry right now, so you better, you better. <laughs> There's light that helps. There's the presentation of light that, that does not help. It actually hurts. And so what I want to talk to you today is about the right way to show his light. 
I want to talk specifically about what it means to do it in a way to where he's saying, I want everybody to see this, but to be drawn to it, not repulsed by it. If you're taking notes, and I hope that you are, write this down. Number one, it's this. A servant's heart is more impressive than a three-piece suit on a Sunday. A servant's heart is more impressive than a three-piece suit. On a Sunday, come on, I know some of y'all been waiting for Easter all year long to pull out that one suit, that one suit. Some of you ladies, you're like, you bought that hat just for this coming Sunday, and you walk by in the closet, you go, it's coming, it's coming, just a few more, you can't wait to put on that, you can't wait to put on that new tie that you got, and can I tell you, there's nothing wrong with that, you can come in sporting it, that's fine, just worship Jesus in that hat, okay, just make sure that you love it on God, but the point is this, how many of you know, shining a light has nothing to do with our external appearance, it's not about dressing up to impress, It's not about just the words that we say when we're trying to draw attention to ourselves. It's not about the the car that we drive to look important. Or or it's not about some facade or some external. It doesn't matter how bright yellow that hat is. That's not our attempt to shine the light. And you're like, well, this is a neon green tie. Come on, you can see this from miles away. That's not what it means to shine the light. As a matter of fact, a lot of times people in the church or the church itself, are known so much for, like, a show. I'm not, and you, you get what I'm saying. I'm not, I wear that hat, okay? If I could pull off the three-piece and come styling and profiling in here. Look, not, that's, not, that's not bad. I'm saying when you let that represent your light shining, we've missed it. Serving a servant's heart is so much more appealing. It's so much more attractive than the stuff we try and put on the front for. But it's like being genuine, like rolling up your sleeves and getting out and serving. And and a lot of times that's not the way people see us. A lot of times people think that we look a lot more like this. And I'll show you this first picture and I'd say being a light looks a lot less like this. I'm not saying that you never stand for anything. I'm not saying that you never let your voice be heard. How many of you guys just know that this does less to build bridges than these next pictures? Because I would say being a light looks a lot more like this. Look at these pictures. Oh, look at Pastor Shelby right there. Lifting that. He, he told him I could do that by myself if y'all just move. This is what it looks like to be a light. It means to serve. It means to roll up your sleeves, get your hands dirty. There's a need, let's meet it. There's an opportunity, let's fill it. Being a light looks a lot more like this. Pastor Eric, Pastor Jose, there they are going. Serving is attractive. Do you know that's what it's talking about in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8 where it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of the light. Men, over the last few weeks, there have been hundreds of us here at People's Church who have signed up to be a part of the Dream Team, which the Dream Team is, is our group of uh, our army of volunteers who have said, I will come in and I will serve God's house. I will give of my treasure, my talent, my time. I will come in and give of myself to serve in order to be a light. It's been so fun to see that, and I honestly want to offer a sincere thanks and a true way to go for being a light of Jesus. I'm just right now imagining what Easterland is going to look like next weekend as all of these individual lights, representations of Jesus, come together to serve and the light that that's going to bring forth in so many hearts next weekend. It's a beautiful picture I'm anticipating, and I would say this. If you were maybe on spring break and you missed out on signing up or you have yet to join the Dream Team, you can do that. 
You can do it today. Jump in, serve, be a part. That's what it looks like to shine your light. There's a second thing. Number two, look at this. It says, a good work ethic trumps a good belief system. A good work ethic trumps a good belief system. Letting your light shine has less to do with what you believe and so much more to do with how you behave. See, a lot of times we get that backwards and we want to talk about all that we believe. And it's good to have beliefs. Our beliefs are based on the Word of God. That's a good thing. But we don't start with doctrine. We don't start with just trying to, 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 to uh, give people some indoctrination of truth from what we believe. But instead, you build a bridge with the way you behave. That's what Jesus is saying when he says, let your light shine. And if there's any place it should be shining, it should be in our workplaces where we're serving. Come on, you think about it. Coming in late, cutting corners at work, irresponsible, grouchy, complaining, life-draining, office gossip, and then you're going to walk out the door and say, love to have you at church Sunday. Come on. First of all, we need to get our face sanctified. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Some of us need a real healing. The joy of the Lord needs to be our strength. But how many of you agree that when it comes to following Jesus and serving God, that we should be the best workers out there? Listen to what it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, somebody shout, whatever. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Listen to this, verse 24. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Did you know it doesn't matter if you're a school teacher, a businessman, a doctor, a lawyer, a plumber, a football coach? doesn't matter if your job is to punch holes in donuts, whatever it is. Did you know that you can do that for the glory of God? And did you know that that's what it means to be a light that shines? See, God wants us to build a bridge to hearts through the way that we serve, through the way that we live. And I would suggest to you that business owners, if they're looking to hire somebody, the first thing that they should think of is, I need to go over there to People's Church because they got the best, the brightest, the most creative, the hardest working, the most reliable, the most faithful. How many of you guys know that that's the, what we should be known for? Let your light shine. Don't be ashamed of it. It's not about you. Let it be known so that there's a reputation and a credibility that points back to the awesome God that we love and serve. Some of you, you should be praying over your job. God, I pray that you would bring me more contracts. God, I pray that, that you would seal the deal here that I'm trying to close. Lord, I, I pray that, that there would be uh, more favor on my job. But you don't have that because you're not even asking. It says in James chapter 4, verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask God. Did you know it's very spiritual to pray over your business? Very spiritual to pray for you, those of your students that you're going to school. You ought to be praying, God, help me with this math test. But you need to be praying that when you're studying too, right? Lord, help me to study for this math test. Praying over it. Why? Because you're reflecting Jesus. The goal is not to show how smart that you are. The, the, the goal is to show that when you're shining light and people look at straight A's, what? And it points back to Jesus. Some of your parents are like, if my kids got straight A's, it would be a story of Jesus. That's what it would take. But even at your own job, pray for favor. Pray for wisdom. 
Some of you may be thinking, well, Scotty, if that was true, I would have seen answers a long time ago because I've been praying for a raise for years, and I haven't seen that. So that first part doesn't apply to me. My question is this, why do you want the raise? Why do you want to climb the ladder? Why is it that you're praying that God would be with you at work? Today, why are you praying, God, go before me in this conversation with my boss? What is it that you're, that you're really hoping for? If it's limited to, so I don't get fired. If it's limited to, so I can make more money. If it's limited to, so I can grow in my pride and esteem and people can see how sharp I am, how smart I am. Why do you think that God would be motivated to bless you when you're wanting to take that success and use it for your own personal pleasure? Now think about this. I want you to see it. Let's finish this thought in James. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. See, in other words, what I'm suggesting to you, and I believe this is a strong thought and you should consider it. What would it look like if our prayer was God? I pray that you would help me to shine. Even through my darkest of days, my deepest of valleys, even through my most difficult situations, I pray that when people look at me going through hardship, they'll see that I'm still victorious, I'm still standing tall, and they'll recognize that it's not because of my strength, but it's because of your strength. But Lord, I also pray that as I go to work today, Lord, I'm praying for favor. I'm not praying. And a lot of times we think favor means you get a close parking spot, you know, to the front door of wherever you're parked. We're like, favor, favor, you know, like that's favor. And that's okay, but, but I think that the word goes a little bit deeper than that. I don't want favor for fun. I want favor for influence. God, give me favor with people today so that when I represent you, Lord, they'll be responsive to the truth that I'm sharing. God, I pray that you give me favor with my boss so that as I'm working hard and representing you, I pray that they'll see something in me that's unique and different from other people who are driven by greed, who are driven by pride. I pray for favor, Lord, so that there would be influence. What if you started praying, God, I pray that I would start setting uh, crazy sales records around here. When people start asking me, what's the trick or the secret, I'll tell them, you know what, it has nothing to do with me. I'm just trying to be a good steward of what God's called me to do. But I pray over my deals. I pray over my meetings. And all this crazy success, it can only be traced back to the God that I'm serving. What if you started praying prayers like that? If our God is the creator of all things, if he said, world, be there, and it was, can God give you a business idea? Can God give you some solution to a problem that your work is facing? But they learn, go to him. Why? I don't know. Everybody at People's Church, they just got good ideas. I believe that we can pray like that. I believe that we can believe like that. What's the goal in doing? That they would see these good things and then glorify our God in heaven. Shine that light. Number three, write this down. So the third point is that a generous spirit is better than a Christian tract. I better say it again. Some of y'all going to lunch today in just a little bit. I'm going to say this one again. We're just going to allow this to marinate. Hold on. Let's look at this. A generous spirit is better than a Christian tract. Listen, this light can attract people or it can repel them. Hit them wrong and it can be. And there are a lot of people, they think that they're really spiritual. When it comes time to leave the restaurant, you've heard stories like this. And instead of leaving a tip, they leave a gospel track, sometimes a fake $20 bill, 
That waiter, that waitress comes walking over there, ooh, and they grab it and open it up and says, don't chase money, chase Jesus. You know what that's like? I don't know, man. I'm inviting a lot of people. Nobody's coming. I don't know. Just they keep running. I don't know. Do you think it may be a little bit more attractive if whenever you're talking to them, you're interacting, say, hey, you're doing a great job. Before I leave, I wanted to say thanks. And you give them an extra generous tip personally along with a specific compliment. I see that you're working hard. Man, you really took care of us today, and we wanted to say thanks. Matter of fact, here's a little extra tip, and I don't know if you have anywhere that you're worshiping on this weekend, Easter weekend. We'd love to have you at People's Church. You know what the person like that understands? They understand Proverbs chapter 18, verse 16, where it says, Giving a gift can open doors. The gift makes way for the giver. What if you realize that a generous spirit is better than a Christian tract? What if instead of that, that person who's working three jobs, that, that man is trying to provide for his family, or that single mom, and here they are as a server, or maybe you're staying in a hotel, and my, my family will do that. We'll leave a, a, a spirit-led note a, along with a generous tip. Just says, thanks for taking such good, great uh, care of this place. We sure appreciate you, and we'll give them a spirit-led word. So I train my girls right and say, pray over the note before you write it. But you know where that verse is tucked right next to? A really generous tip. So that they come in and they see that the gift makes way for the giver. What does it look like when, when we're representing Jesus and you, you think it's spiritual to let your light shine and they come over and it says, want a tip? Here's one. Avoid hell. That's not a good tip. That's not a good tip. Never miss a chance to be generous. A new neighbor comes in, a, a person next door in your apartment complex. Go, knock on the door, give them a nice gift. Not just a gift, a nice gift. So glad to hear my name is such and such. I, I don't know if you're new to the area, looking for it. We'd love to have you at People's Church. A gift makes way for the giver. Wherever you are, however you can, whenever you can, live with a generous spirit. Did you know that when you give towards the work of the Lord, you give towards dream builders, you are letting the light of Jesus shine through you. Number four, a personal story is more powerful than a polished sermon. A personal story is more polished than a is more powerful than a polished sermon. Light illuminates when you shine the light of Jesus with your life. It makes the Bible come alive in a clear, compelling, and tangible way. Here's what I mean. One of the things I love about People's Church is just the preacher, the primary preacher here at People's Church, and that is Pastor Herbert. He can flat out preach. You ever bring a friend to church, you're never worried, going, well, I hope it's a good one today. You know if it's Pastor Herbert preaching, it's going to be a great one. But did you know that something even more powerful than a person up here behind a podium speaking is the life that you're living and the story that you're sharing? Because a lot of people could dismiss what happens on a Sunday as, well, that's church. Or that's what that pastor is supposed to say. But when you're walking through difficulty... And they see you handling life's storms in a way that's beyond natural. You're letting the light of Jesus Christ shine through you even in moments of weakness. They see something that's strong. Even if you're talking to a friend and they're going through something in their marriage and you go, bro, I can relate. Our marriage had a really, really 
rough time and a really rough season, but here's my story and here's what happened. Can I just tell you that your personal story is more powerful than a polished sermon any day. Watch for opportunities. Share your story with others. God can use that. And when his light is shining through your story, it will help others find a path to hope. Fifth and finally, then I'm going to pray for you. A simple invitation is more effective than a massive marketing campaign. Man, as we're getting ready for Easter land, a simple invitation invitation is so much more effective than a massive marketing campaign. And as a church, we're doing everything that we can to sprinkle seeds of hope across our community. We're doing everything that we can to get the word out about what we're going to be celebrating on, on Easter Sunday and, the, and Saturday, the whole weekend at Easter land. We're, we're praying about that. We're promoting that. You can't even jump on Facebook without saying ads for Easter land and, and people's church. I was walking through the mall the other day with my family. And as we're walking through the mall, there is this beautiful, illuminated sign that said, welcome or invited to Easterland at People's Church. And I squeezed my daughter's hand and said, that's our church. Look at that sign. Isn't this so cool? And all these people are seeing it. But can I tell you, our goal is not dependent. Our hope is not dependent. We're not expecting Facebook to get people here. We're just spreading the word. Our, our real power kicks in. The real effectiveness is launched when we develop a mindset of each one reach one and we start thinking about who can I bring and then somebody says oh I saw that on Facebook I saw that at the mall and you're like well hey I'd love for you to come be my guest sit with me it's going to be an incredible day whenever you leave today you're going to be given some of these invites and I hope that you'll prayerfully consider who it is that God's bringing to your mind right now that you could invite and I would conclude by saying it is time sensitive we got to do what we can while we can to let the light of Christ shine through us so that people can escape their darkness. Close with this illustration. A magazine once carried a series of pictures that depicted one of the saddest stories imaginable. The first picture was a vast, of a vast wheat field in Kansas. It was in a farm in western Kansas. From horizon to horizon, all you could see was the wheat waving in the wind. The second picture was of a mother in distress inside her farmhouse in the middle of that wheat field. She had a small boy who had somehow wandered away from the house and into that wheat field, and the little fellow was so small he couldn't be seen. She couldn't find him. She called for her husband, and the two of them had searched all day long for that little boy, and they finally decided they should call their neighbors who began to search frantically all over the wheat field with no success. They knew the boy was too little to see above the weed and to find his own way out, so the pictures show the mom in obvious and great distress. But the third photo. The third photo depicted all the people who had heard of that little boy being lost. They gathered in the morning, joining, in their, joining their hands, hand to hand, in a great long line of humanity, linked only by their hands. They swept from one end of that wheat field to the next. But the last picture was a heartbreaker. It was a picture of the father standing over the body of his little son. They had finally found him, but he was dead. It was too late. A cold, cold night had claimed its victim. And underneath the final picture of a weeping father were these words, Oh God, if we'd only join hands sooner.
What a heart-wrenching, heart-searching story. What a vivid picture of what happens if we don't. But what an incredible image of what could happen if we would while there's still time on the clock. For that friend at work, for that neighbor, for that family member. At this point, there's still opportunity. So there's an urgency here that says, what could it look like if we will collectively as a church body say, Jesus, you can shine your light through me. And the person next to us says, and through me. And the person next to us, and through me. And we link arms and we say, come on, let's go to the Oklahoma City area. Let's shine the light of Jesus. Let's show people who are bound in darkness that there is a way out. And that place, that path leads to Jesus Christ. Let's show them his light. I don't know who's coming to your mind. I don't know who's on your heart. But I know that God can reach them if you'll allow his light to shine through your life.